0: As I just prayed, we're going to continue our study in Luke. And today we're going to be looking at Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. jumping into the middle of a conversation here that Jesus is having, uh, some teaching that Jesus is giving. Uh, Remember last week we talked about the the parable of the dishonest manager in the first part. Uh, Jesus is talking a lot about money and wealth, and and the Pharisees particularly were uh, the subjects of what he was talking about, these religious people, but they were great lovers of money. And today we're going to see a man who loved wealth and did not have a love for God or trust in God and what happens to him. And one who did and what happens to him. So let us now read God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word, Luke 16, 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word to us this morning. Well, according to a Pew Research Center study in 2014, 72% of people believe in heaven and only 58 percent believe in hell and this includes all religious and non-religious people and when you start talking about christians you think oh well surely since the bible speaks of hell it would be 100 percent and believing in hell and since the bible talks about heaven it would be 100 percent no christians of all stripes of course It's higher, 85% believe in heaven, but only 70% believe in hell. And when you narrow it down to Protestants of all denominations, 86% believe in heaven and 75% believe in hell. And then amongst evangelicals, 88% believe in heaven and 82% believe in hell. Evangelicals are supposed to be people who believe God's word, but yet not everyone who claims to be an evangelical believes God's word. Well, no one likes to think about hell as a place of eternal damnation and torment. If you want to break up a party, start talking about hell. It's a difficult doctrine. In fact, R.C. Sproul was asked not so long ago which doctrine he struggles with the most. R.C. Sproul is a great theologian, or was a great theologian. Now he's a perfect theologian in heaven. But he replied that hell was the doctrine with which he struggled the most. Well, as the statistics I just stated show, hell is a doctrine that many people refuse to believe. It's a difficult doctrine. Yet, Jesus spoke about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. And what we understand about hell from the Bible comes largely from Jesus' words. The scripture passage before us this morning is one of those examples. So in this account, Jesus speaks of two men with two vastly different lots in life who end up after death in two very different places. Well, first, Jesus says there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. It's the good life, as Frank Sinatra saying. He dressed like a king purple was the robes of royalty. Purple was a very expensive dye extracted from snails with a lengthy process, very difficult. And garments that were dyed in this purple dye were worth their weight in gold. That's why they were usually only worn by kings. So this man dressed like a king and he wore a linen undergarment. Now this word for the linen undergarment is uh, referring to some Egyptian cotton and we have Egyptian cotton sheets and they're the ones that are most expensive because some uh, I guess Egyptian cotton's better than Mississippi Delta cotton. I find that hard to believe being from Mississippi but that's the truth and so this man had a inner garment that was of linen and of course outward robes of purple and he ate sumptuous lavish luxurious meals every day and he lived in a gated home yet when he died he ended up in hades now that word hades is a general word for the abode of the dead the place of the dead but often in the new testament it refers to hell And that's true here. We have other clues that indicate that he is indeed in hell. 23 and 24 we read that he was in torment and in anguish in the flame. And so Jesus gives a very descriptive account here mainly of hell. We also get something of heaven. We'll look at each of these in turn. So this poor rich man, he's poor now, but this rich man is in hell. And first of all, it's a place of torment, the passage here tells us. The word for torment is borrowed from the world of coin inspection. You know, they had a lot of different coins in those days. And uh, to test the genuineness uh, and purity of a coin, there's a lot of counterfeiting going on, Um, there was a test, a a coin-testing stone. And they would put the coin through many tests to see if it was genuine or not. And so this word is that testing. And if you substitute a man for the metal or the coin, it becomes torture. The word becomes torture on the rack. The metal which has survived the testing stone is subjected to harsher treatment, right? We need to run more tests, more more invasive tests. And the man who is getting this word, torment, he is in the same position when severely tested by torture. So the word moves from testing or proving the genuineness of something to torment and punishment. And that's the word that's being used here. Hell is a place of punishment or torment. And that's what this rich man is experiencing. It is a place also, second of all, of anguish. The rich man says he was in anguish. Father Abraham, verse 24, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. The anguish is highlighted by the fact that he just wants someone to dip their finger in water and just touch his tongue. That would be a great relief, a, a mere drop of water. The odd thing is He never extended any mercy to Lazarus in his life, walking by him probably every day as Lazarus sat full of sores, begging at his gate, asking just for a crumb from his table. He never extended any mercy to Lazarus in his life, yet now he wants mercy for himself because he is in such anguish. But it won't be extended to him. And then thirdly, we see here that it is a place of regret. Abraham replies to the rich man. He says, child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus and like men are bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. He's, Abraham is merely calling him to remember his former life and all the good things that he enjoyed, and... He's not saying that that's a, there's a reason for Lazarus to be in heaven. He's there. We'll talk about this in a moment, that he's there because he suffered so much in his life. He's just stating a fact. Lazarus is being comforted, and you are not. You only have the past that you can look back on with regret. It's kind of like the, the prodigal son, in a way, you know, he remembers, he, he enjoys all these good things he, in, he had in his life, in his temporary life. The prodigal son, of course, he got the inheritance and he blew it all and he was living high, but then a famine came and he ends up feeding pigs, in the pig trough, and he's looking at the food that he's feeding the pigs and he's, he's longing to eat from the pig trough, but then he remembers his former life. And he returns to the Father. He remembers in his Father's house, even the servants had good things. And so he wants to return to be a servant. And we all know the good news of how that worked out. The prodigal son returned to the Father before it was too late. However, this rich man, in essence, hears the two words you never want to hear from God too late, too late. And the rich man will have eternity to explore his regret. And then finally, Jesus, in his description here, points out that hell is a place of doom. Abraham goes on in verse 26, besides all this, between us is a great chasm that has been fixed. We can't come to you, you can't come to us. Hell is an inescapable place. Those who end up there are doomed. None can go there on a mission of mercy and those who are there cannot escape. Well, this is all very sobering, isn't it? But it's good to be sobered. It's a warning to you and me about our lives and the lives of others around us. You know, just because... Some people don't believe in hell doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Jesus believed in hell. Saying it's not true doesn't make it less of a reality. So hell is very sobering and yes, a difficult doctrine that we don't like to think about. Let's take it as a warning. And then let's turn our attention to Lazarus and some better news. Well, Lazarus... It tells us here was a poor man. He was at the gate of this rich man. He's covered with sores. He just desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. It just says he desired to be. It never says that he was. He was just hoping for a scrap from the rich man's table. And moreover, even dogs came. The wild dogs on the street came and tormented him. He was helpless, laying there. But Lazarus died. And notice it doesn't mention that he was buried. The rich man died and was buried. Lazarus, it doesn't say that he was buried. They probably just picked him up off the street where he had died and threw his body on the garbage heap to be burned. Yet, when he died, he was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. And the word translated here is bosom. Abraham's bosom. Now, we can think about this term, Abraham's bosom, in various ways. It's actually an, an idiom for eating next to Abraham at a feast. In those days, you know, of course, they reclined at table. They didn't have chairs. They laid on pillows and with their feet extended away from the table. And they kind of laid, laid down, propped up by their arms. And the picture we have here is Lazarus. Who begged for scraps in his life is now feasting with the patriarch and i'm sure with the saints at a great eternal feast and he's been ushered there by angels he had an angelic limousine ride to the greatest feast of all time and abraham holds him close to his chest in a loving embrace we have that same, the same language as in John 13. It tells us there that the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper. It's the same expression. Lazarus was transported to the bosom of Abraham by an angelic limousine ride, welcomed into the feast, and embraced by the patriarch. He was included in, welcomed in as part of the family, part of the group. So Abraham's bosom tells us something about the joys of heaven and the comfort of heaven, and that's the second thing. It's a place of comfort. Abraham refers to heaven in verse 25 as a place of comfort. Lazarus is comforted here. Now the word translated comforted here is parakaleo, Para, alongside, like parallel. And then kaleo, to call. The word has two different nuances. You can call someone to come alongside of you. That means like to summon or extend an invitation to someone. And that's, of course, true of of Lazarus here. Abraham has, well, Lazarus has been... Summoned, invited, and welcomed to Abraham's bosom. And the other way, the other nuance of this word, is what the translators have stressed here: as a comfort or encouragement to to come alongside someone and to call out to them. It's kind of like sporting events. You know, if you're a fan of sporting events, you know there's a lot of sports have started back up and no one is allowed to attend. And I've watched, you know, soccer matches and some baseball games and a little bit of a basketball game. And, you know, it's weird because some of the sports, like soccer, they're piping in crowd noise into the stadium. So you're watching this thing and you would think there are you know, tens of thousands of people there cheering on and the sound kind of goes up and down. And I don't know if somebody's up there with the, in the soundboard working it to make it seem like there's a crowd there, but it's uh, it's uh, it's people you know cheering. Of course they're not there. And then I think I watched a highlight of a basketball game that's just started up and you can hear the squeaking of the sneakers and and the, the words between the players, but there's no crowd noise at all. It's quite strange. But that's what we're talking about here the 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 cheering, the cheering along that we that we we do for our favorite team for our favorite players that's what paracleo means in this sense and of course the word paraclete which is another term for the holy spirit a title for the holy spirit comes from this word the holy spirit is the paraclete he is the comforter or helper we read about it in john Well, Lazarus had no comfort or help in his life. He was utterly uncomfortable and helpless. And now he is in a place of great comfort and has all the help he needs. And that's a picture of heaven that Jesus gives here. And you see that there's only two things really mentioned about heaven in the passage, and there's more mentioned about hell. Now the important question. Why did Lazarus go to heaven and the rich man to hell? Well, the rich man is not in hell because of his money, because he was rich. Abraham was extremely wealthy, and he's in heaven. So just because you're rich, you're wealthy, does not mean that you're excluded from heaven. And and Lazarus, or yeah, Lazarus is not in heaven because he suffered his whole life. And there are some people who believe that they're going to heaven by virtue of all their sufferings and miseries they experienced in life. They think surely that in eternity they will be welcomed into heaven because they went through hell on earth. Well, that's not Christianity. That's more like Hinduism, or karma. What a shock to these people when they live a miserable life, they die, and then they experience even worse misery in hell for eternity. Wealth, nor misery in life, dictates your eternal destination. So what does? Well, the text shows us in several ways, and the short answer is faith, faith. First of all, the rich man, he had no faith. Now, of course, the The story doesn't tell us anything about his his life in such a manner, you know, what, what he believed, but we can know him by his fruit. That's what Jesus said. You'll know a tree by its fruit, and you know someone by their deeds. This rich man had rotten fruit, he had an easy opportunity every day to show mercy. The poor Lazarus. And he wouldn't have even miss the scraps from his table that Lazarus would have treasured. Yet he never extended any love or mercy to Lazarus. First John 3 17 says, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? James further reiterates the point. James 2, 14 and following. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The rich man's faith was dead. It was not existent because he did not show any kind of love or mercy toward a fellow human being at his doorstep. Conversely, Lazarus had faith, and there's some clues here. First of all, his name means God helps. He was helpless in his life but he was apparently depending upon God. Now, I don't know if this account, I mean, there's a lot of ink spilled on whether this is a parable or if Jesus is actually telling a a true historical account. My uh, thought is that it is a parable, uh, a fictional story, Um, and and I think in that case, it even further reiterates the point that Jesus chose the name Lazarus for this poor man, that God helps him. Now it may have seemed in his life like God wasn't helping him at all. I mean, he was miserable, full of sores, and had no food, and was a beggar. Utterly helpless, but he depended upon God. And Jesus chose the name on purpose. And notice he also is welcomed into Abraham's bosom. Abraham is the father of faith. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham, being the one who welcomes Lazarus in, I think is no mistake either. The father of faith welcomes his faithful one. And also the passage tells us that the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. Hebrews 1.14 tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. And that's Lazarus. And the angels are serving this one who did indeed inherit salvation. So faith. You must have faith in order to go to heaven and avoid hell. But faith in what? That's the question. I've had people tell me in the past, you know, I really admire people of faith. And when they said that, they, didn't, they weren't delineating any particular faith. The person that I'm thinking of that said that to me would have, you know, she was telling me because I'm a preacher, and at that moment I was a church planter, but she would have said the same thing to a devout Muslim or a devout Buddhist or a devout whatever. She was saying, I admire people of faith. And what she was saying is she didn't have any particular faith. Well, everybody has faith in something. We're all banking our eternity on something. We all are resting in something for eternity. And you're either banking on something that's true or untrue. Like I mentioned before, the people who think just because they suffered in life that that guarantees they're going to heaven. Well, they've got misplaced faith. They're trusting in their own misery to earn them heaven and salvation. Others are resting in their good works. If if I really try hard to be a good person, then certainly I'll be welcomed into heaven. Well, that's another false object of faith. Because again, you're resting in yourself. You're resting in your own efforts. See... Our faith must have an object. It does have an object. What is the object of your faith? Of course, our faith needs to turn to someone outside of ourselves to save us. It needs to turn to Jesus Christ. Look what Lazarus says. It's funny because Lazarus, he hasn't changed a bit really. I mean, first he says, hey, Abraham, send Lazarus as if Lazarus was his servant. Send him down to dip his, water, dip his finger in water and serve me, keep my tongue, You know, give me some relief, cool my tongue. And then he says, Abraham, send Lazarus to go tell my brothers. Well, that's not going to happen. But notice what he says... Uh, Abraham, you know, he he asked for Lazarus to go warn his brothers. Abraham said, verse 29, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. see, Abraham is pointing the object of faith because what did moses and the prophets point to the old testament points to jesus christ you remember on the road to emmaus when jesus appears to the two disciples there it tells us that when when they were talking they didn't recognize jesus and they were all sad because jesus had died and they said you know we thought he was the messiah and jesus says you know how slow of heart you are to believe the scriptures and it says that he went from the very beginning to the end and told them, explained to them from the scriptures how the Christ was to come and to suffer and die and rise from the dead. What a wonderful Bible study that must have been to come from Jesus himself. But all the scriptures from beginning to end point to Christ. And that's what Abraham is saying here. If You must, yes, you must repent, Lazarus, but you've got to turn from your sin to something else to something besides yourself that which was pointed to by Moses and the prophets now we even have more light in our day because we know the one to whom Moses and the prophets pointed Jesus Christ who did rise from the dead see you've got to marry that if if you think oh Jesus rose from the dead well and good but unless you understand from scripture why he rose from the dead why he died and why he lived a perfect life that will be meaningless to you if you reject the truth about Jesus in his life, his death and his resurrection well in his life and his death then the resurrection will be meaningless to you But the fact of the matter is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, in him, should not perish but have eternal life. Do we hear the scriptures? Are we putting our faith in Christ alone? He he is the greatest example of God's love for us. To come so that we wouldn't go to hell he experienced all that punishment for our sin on the cross he endured our hell on the cross when he cried out my God my God why have you forsaken me he was forsaken by God forsaken by the Father as he hung on the cross there for us he was wounded for our transgressions he suffered for our sake But we must turn from sin and put our trust in him alone. Not in ourselves, not in our works, not in anything else but Christ. The only way, the truth, and the life. Well, what does the fruit of your life look like? Lazarus' fruit was rotten. Do you exhibit the fruits of repentance and faith in your life? This is a wake-up call to us to turn away from ourselves and look again to the Savior, cast a look to Christ and depend upon Him alone for salvation and rest in Him and, and bathe in His love and welcome to go out and serve Him and serve others as we live in this life to show mercy to those who are suffering, to tell the good news to those who are lost. May God grant us the Spirit to empower us to love Him to love others, and to serve him with our gifts, with our abilities, for his glory. And may we rescue the perishing, those who are around us. Many don't know the good news. They don't know about Jesus. And they're not trusting in Jesus. Well, when they die, they're going to hell. We'd like to think that everybody goes to heaven, but that's just not the case. May God give us a burden for the loss and a zeal to share Christ with others, the only hope before they hear those words too late. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that once again you would help us to take it to heart. Lord, these are difficult words and some comforting words. Uh, Lord, we we know that it's hard for us to be reminded that there's a place called hell. It's hard for us to get our head wrapped around that terrible difficult truth but Lord we pray that we would take it to heart in reference to ourselves that we would repent and put our trust fully in you and know that we can't save ourselves and Lord we pray that we would bear fruit of the the fruit of repentance and faith and Lord we also pray that you would help us to use our gifts and our abilities and our resources not frivolously on ourselves but for your kingdom and for the sake of others. Lord, give us a heart of mercy and compassion. Help us to not be like Lazarus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.